I'm Joel Volk and welcome to Small BizCast, where twice a month I explore the lives of small business owners to dig a bit deeper and explore strengths, weaknesses, ideas, and challenges with blemishes and all. Ben Skeet is a sales trainer for a very successful sales and service business. Having trained hundreds of sales reps, he's seen it all. Ben will share his keen observations and tips on this episode. As you listen to Small BizCast, you will find comfort in knowing that you are not alone. Hopefully you'll find inspiration and ideas in the people I introduced you to. Hopefully you'll laugh a little too. Hot dog, it's a wonderful life. Ben Skeet, 16 years with Image Source USA, is the nation's largest independent Xerox partner and currently, at least for the last five years, has been its training specialist. Ben and I worked closely over the last three years when my company was acquired by Image Source and its parent company. One of the things I'm most proud about with that tenure is that uh, the friendship that Ben and I grew together. It started as a professional respect and it grew into friendship and it did that despite our profound differences. A lot of, a lot of those differences are too there's too many to list, but it's exemplified by his unexplainable love for the San Diego Padres. So, by <laughs> so, the way, can't I can't explain it either. <laughs> ben, thank you for taking the time to be Small BizCast. As you know, uh, I truly respect the, the work you do training a very large team of people who really do hit very high nut marks in our industry. Um, and, uh, um, and you and I were recently, we had this chat about an, oppor- uh, about an opportunity that a sales rep missed because he wasn't, yeah. he wasn't keen on what his, I think he forgot what his role is. And uh, it kind of led to a conversation and made me realize what a great guest you'd be for Small BizCast. So, um, so can we just start out by just tell me a little bit about what you look for when you are bringing on a sales rep. And I know here's part of the rub for you. You don't hire them. You don't yeah. get them until you write If I recall, you don't, you don't have an input as to whether the company should hire them. You kind of get them after somebody else made the decision and said, okay, Ben, make him a good rep. Tell me what you look for day one, moment one, when you're starting somebody out. Really interesting question. First, let me say thanks for having me on. Uh, in regards to the Padres, you know, there are dozens of us, Joel, um, and <laughs> soon to be more. So uh, anyway, <laughs> kind of winding that back in my in my mind, thinking through the different people I've trained over the years, and sometimes you can just tell, right? You can, you can tell that they're, they're going to do well. You can tell that they're going to be someone that's going to need a lot of coaching. And sometimes you can tell them they're not a great fit pretty quickly. So that's interesting. When you can tell right away they're not going to be a great fit, that's too early for you to make a recommendation to get rid of them, I believe, correct? Oh, 100%. You, so you have to let what do you play do? You, you let it play out. I mean, so my personal philosophy, Joel, is I want to believe the best about everyone, ascribe the best motives to everybody until they give me a reason to, to, not, uh, you know, to not believe that anymore. Um, and, and so sometimes I've been wrong about people, and that's okay. Uh, we've all been wrong about people in the past, and you know, it, that's just human nature. So I try not to. Yeah, I think divorce, so divorce lawyers make their living on that. <laughs> yeah, so. Exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I try not to rush to snap judgments, um, but if I, if I come across someone who's combative uh, or makes a lot of excuses, um, th- those are flags. Right. You know, what I'm looking for in, in a rep is like, as I think through, okay, so what's been the hallmarks of a, a consistently successful reps? Um, they're deeply, deeply curious about everything that comes across their desk. So if it's them and I talking, they've got a ton of questions and they're very engaged questions. Uh, when you watch them with a customer or if you watch them in other interactions, 
they're the ones who are sitting. They're the ones who are jotting down notes and thoughts. They're the ones who, you know, they're not racing to the next question that they wanted to ask. They're active in the conversation. Sometimes you get people that are uh, this perfect blend of, of uh, you know, because we're in a technology field, they can talk technology till the cows come home and they're deeply curious. They, they, those guys are, you know, they're unicorns. Right. That's a unicorn. Um, right. But the beauty of, of sales training is if you get the right person, they can, sales is sales. Right? At the end of the day, you're doing the same thing. It doesn't matter what you're selling. Well, I believe that solution sales is solution sales. Good sales is solving problems and yes. solving problems comes from understanding the goal or the problem. And that comes from asking questions, which comes from curiosity, which ultimately comes from caring. So yes. you can draw a straight line between the best salespeople because the more they care and employ those skill set of, of curiosity, asking questions, applying the questions to the solutions, communicating it, and then ultimately solving the problem. Those are the best salespeople. But but so I but but I think when you put it out like that, people look like they've seen that. When I say those words, it's almost as though they've heard it for the first time. They never thought it through. But I believe that is the key to finding the people that can care enough to ask those questions. Does that make sense? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, something one of the one of the people who's been very kind enough to mentor me over the years has repeatedly pointed out is is that the the position of a sales rep is not the power one; it's the servant one. Right. And people who are willing to embrace that, not from a, uh, you know, woe is me, I'm, I'm a terrible person, I, all I can do is, is give out, but more, how can I help? I know I've got something I can help you with, let's talk. Right. And that's the position they come from and everything they do is designed to, you know, help the customers see what they're doing in the best light, but also help the customers see what they're doing, like what the customer themselves is doing in the best light. That, that Those are the people that just just thrive. Do the best salespeople then, can you be a good salesperson without having the great leadership of the, of the business itself? So hot take. Yes. But those people are rarer than unicorns. Go on. Explain that. Explain that. Well, I think what, what, what we're boiling back down to is a value system, right? What, what do you, it's not, what do you know or what do you believe? People operate, people make decisions from the realm of values. Right, so we can teach a sales rep to believe that being a servant, um, that being curious, that that uh, you know, kind of attack, not attacking—that's the wrong word to use—but but coming to to customers with that mentality is the right way to go, and they can repeat it with their mouth and they can kind of mimic all of the actions. But at the end of the day, you put them in a vacuum; they're going to do what they want to do. You can't teach values. Gosh, I'm I'm trying to think. It's one of the you know, one of the popular Christian writers might be Rick Warren. Uh, you know, values are caught, they're not taught. Uh, they've got to be modelled, they've got to be mentored, they've got to be reinforced. And if that's not happening top down, um, it just it's very difficult for an environment to to allow for that kind of uh, sales development. Does that make sense? So yeah, first of all, for those that may not know. Um, Ben does not have a speech impediment. He comes from Australia. And um, so, so you, you said that a little bit fast. So I want to make sure I got it. Values are not caught. They're taught. Is that what you said? No, they're not taught. They're caught. They're caught. Okay. Do you like my American accent there? Yeah, that was. I saw that you dumbed it down for me. So I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so people don't adopt a new way of going about life because you tell them it's a good idea. They've got to see that it's a good idea mm-hmm. and then have it. I mean, just almost parenting is an inappropriate 
uh, analogy to draw just because it breaks down so quickly, but there is something of the parent in a good sales manager right. where they're looking at the, the character development of their people. Uh, and, and obviously, ethics and business ethics are massively important. I would never, ever discount those. But, but looking at, okay, where is this sales week? Where, where are they uncomfortable? What do they not do that is holding them back? How can I bring out that in them? How can I call out that in them? Uh, and that has to be modeled around them. Like people have to see that there's a better way of doing it before typically, especially sales reps, uh, before they're willing to adopt it. So, so here's, here's what I believe. I believe that your everything you said is right. And my question about can leadership be poor and a salesperson exceed the leadership, I believe has to be no, because the leadership, the leadership will lose the sales rep at that point. Because if a salesperson has better values, they're going to go someplace where those values are reflected. They're not going to they're, they're not going to sell themselves out. Even if they, if they try, let's say it's just a money thing. They got to make a living. Someone's got to buy the groceries and this is the job I have. They're not going to be as effective because they're not going to believe in what they're doing. That, that through line before starting with caring and ending with solutions is not going to work because the company has to be part of the solution after somebody cares. So, so I always advise everybody, whether it's a salesperson or the, leadership of the company that the salesperson needs to be the brand and the company needs to be the product. And so, because people buy from people. And so my job, once I've gotten the good sales rep and I've taped and I've trained them and I've taught them about what we are, my job then is to deliver the best product possible for the sales rep, because if the sales rep's good, he'll go someplace else to sell a better product and make their life better. Does that make sense? It sure does. And, and as you asked your question, I was thinking more from the perspective of could a, a sales rep with that kind of values come up in a vacuum, not come up in a bad company? Um, right. You're 100% right. Um, somebody who is in, a, in an environment which is not bringing out the best in them, at some point, money doesn't matter anymore. Right. In fact, that's what we're seeing right now in the, the job marketplace is that sure. money is not the only thing. Right, right, and 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 yet I speak to business people who don't realize that the market has changed, and they're not willing to be better. They're not willing to. They're not willing to give um, you know pay more money or create a better opportunity for the for the employee. And I don't just mean a salesperson. I mean anybody in the team. And they they're trying to run their business the way they did pre pandemic when there were sorry more jobs than there are people. But now it's the yeah. other way around. Tell me what what mistakes do you commonly see among good salespeople that you think uh, could make people better? I hesitate to use the word mistake because that. That implies in some way that there's a wrong and a right. Sales is not a, a construction gig where, you know, square is square. Um, you, there's only really one way to mix concrete if you want it to be strong. You know, right, it, right. Like there's absolutes in construction um, that there aren't in sales. It's a much more human game, like you were saying. Right. Um, but, but if I were to say weaker areas or areas that need development, um, that that I, and this is just me, Joel. I feel like that might be a more accurate way okay. way to say it. I would say that there's a couple things, and I see them as much in myself, and I have seen them as much in myself in my own development as anything else. I think when a sales rep makes an assumption about a customer, good, bad, right, wrong, or indifferent, they're setting themselves up for failure. So, so you know, making a, so so by assuming they know the answers to the questions that they ask they are setting themselves up to fail. 
Or, yeah, 100%, yes. And they will actually tend to then ask questions that answer themselves. Right? So, Joel, you like quality, don't you? No. Right, exactly. Like, right. what? who's going to say that? Right. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a question. Right. I've never um, heard anybody ask that question in the world of selling copiers, though. That's funny. Have you, have you actually heard somebody say oh, that? Oh, yeah. You have. Yeah. <laughs> it took about a month of coaching to, to wind that back because it was such right. a deep ingrained habit. And is that something that they learned from a different company and then came to us and tried to employ it? I think they just acquired the habit over the years and it had never been confronted in a way that was helpful or, right. or even noticed. Right. And it's good sales sort of, rep can... I know. I was going to say, it sort of sounds like, you know, the way old, you know, fuller brush person used to knock on your door and say, you like clean carpets, don't you? That type yeah. of, it sounds like really old sales technique. It, it really <laughs> is. Yeah. So you're going to get reps who, or sales representatives who answer their own question or, you know, don't show up with the right mentality for the sales call. So, I mean, just think back through your extensive sales career. How many times did you walk into a customer's site for a meeting thinking to yourself, I know exactly what this meeting's going to be. And then something happens and it takes a hard left turn. Yeah. Um, oh, more than, more than I can count. What I would typically do is after having initial qualifying conversation, go out with a recommendation of what I thought it might be. So I was prepared. I was always prepared to take an order if it went that way, but three quarters of the time you wouldn't deliver the recommendation that you had because yeah. it was, because as you said, in the discussion, you realized that it wasn't on the mark and you had to come back with the right one. Most sales plans don't survive contact with the customer. I mean, to paraphrase the military <laughs> saying it's, but if you assume, uh, I know that the, I know this customer, they always buy from me. Uh, I know this customer, they're an idiot. They never take my recommendation. I know this customer, they always want the cheapest price. Right. Uh, I know this customer, they're always in a bad mood. Pick your thing. If you go in with that mentality that somebody who you've spoken to on the phone a few times and maybe met in person a few times is consistent with your evaluation of them after that very limited experience of them, I don't see how you can not fail you know, repeating that enough times. I mean, every now and again, you're going to get it right, right. Or, or you're going to get lucky. But, but for the most part, you're, you're going to ask the wrong questions. You're going to answer your own questions or you're going to uh, ask we just not ask the, the, the set of questions that are actually going to go somewhere. How many times have you seen a sales rep take a sale that they pretty much have in hand, but keep on asking questions and leads the customer to make a have second thoughts and loses the deal? Well, many, many sales calls early in my sales career. <laughs> I can think of a few. Had a, I just reminisced about a few of those myself. Where it was early in my career, you know, I wanted to be thought of as better than I probably was. And so I let my ego get in the way of my humility. And yeah. so then I would ask a question or try to prove I knew something after it was relevant yeah. and then led the customer to have a doubt. And then then you're then you're back at square zero. In fact, you might be at negative zero at that point. And it takes a long time to learn to, it's not about me, it's yeah. about them. I think of that time in my career when it was brand new and I was trying to prove myself, not just to the client or the customer, but to myself. And I didn't quite yeah. believe it. I didn't quite believe it. And so therefore I talked my way out of success. You and me both, I made the exact same mistake. It took a long time and some very difficult conversations from a mentor of mine to, to get my mind past the point where I had to prove that I knew everything. Right. Uh, and to actually sit and actively listen in the conversation instead of thinking about the next thing I wanted to ask or the next thing I wanted to say, or heaven forbid, start comparing. Oh, you went on vacation? I went on vacation too. Where did you go? You know, that kind of 
Esco, yeah. you got a new car? What did what did you get? Oh, you got a Toyota? I just bought a Subaru. Like that kind of that comparative thing that we do. Right. That had to be not knocked out of me brutally. I mean, the chap I worked for for a long time was a genius uh, at confronting things in me in a way that was productive. But boy, howdy, I made him work. Yeah. 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 Whatever manager's override he made off my sales, he earned every penny. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody I know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> we are going to take a short break and be right back. Small BizCast is proud to support Fit for the Cause. Fit for the Cause is the leading organization in fitness for low-income and special needs communities. Founded in response to the national health crises, Fit for the Cause has used licensed and COVID-conscious trainers to keep their members active, even during the pandemic. Offering physical training, nutrition, and a variety of classes, members benefit from the same resources given to special Olympic athletes. So stay active now by going to www.fitforthecause.com cause.org that's fit the numeral four the cause.org welcome to our new sponsor jorgensen hr jorgensen hr believes that an employer's workforce is the single key to customer satisfaction reputation growth profitability and the ultimate success of the company Jorgensen HR works to ensure that employers are in compliance with federal, state, and local HR laws and helps assist them with almost everything else HR. Driven by passion and guided by expertise, Jorgensen HR. Please remember to mention Small BizCast when you call 661-600-2070 or visit them online at jorgensenhr.com. You may remember Janice Miller of Miller Haga Law Group from our episode, Saving Nigel in season one. Miller Haga supports businesses of all sizes from large to small. No matter what phase your business is in, from startup to wind down, Miller Haga Law Group acts as your innovative general counsel. Their experienced team of lawyers will keep the gears of your business turning. If you wanna minimize your liability while maximizing your profits with competent and efficient counsel, contact millerhaga.com for more information. MillerHaga.com. If you know of anyone who feels lonely on their way to the top, I can help. Hot Dog Business Growth is for companies of all sizes. For people new to business, we offer the Pay It Forward Roundtable, a monthly half-day panel discussion with your peers, coupled with one-to-one private counseling with me. This is super affordable and the best OJT you'll ever get as you learn to grow your business. For the more seasoned, Hot Dog Business Growth offers counseling for leadership and teams. We offer sales strategies and team synergy, as well as customer service assessments and trainings. Our decades of business experience is on tap for you and your team. Schedule your no-obligation conversation at hotdogbizgrowth.com. We are back. We are talking with Ben Skeet of ImageSource USA, one of the best sales trainers I know. If you were starting out training another trainer then, what information would you want them to have when they're training new people? Information about the people or the process or themselves? Well, I'll let you take that. What, what, where, where would you start? If you're training another trainer, if you're training your counterpart, what would you want to see in that person and how would you want to see them use that, that quality? The thing that brought me into training uh, that pushed me in that direction was not that uh, I saw it as a lucrative opportunity that I could make millions of dollars in. Uh, it was that I, I went through a period of self-reflection, self-examination, self-discovery. And one of the things that came out of it was that I'm wired to learn and then wired to take that 
uh, and express it to other people. So my superpower is taking someone else's work, someone else's thought and expressing it in a way that makes it accessible to other people. That's a great gift. And it is a gift. It's not something I have in and of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's by no means perfect. So please, please don't hear that in, in what I'm saying. But I realized that that was the thing that I loved about sales so much is that I got to learn something, then I got to go out and talk with someone about it and find out if it could help them. Right. right? So one of the things I'd be looking for uh, is not necessarily that exact same wiring analogous to that. To that, so yes. something that says I have a deep desire to learn myself to always be a learner, mm-hmm. uh, and a deep desire to pass that on, and and then, you know, in, in some way leave the person that I passed it on to better uh, in a measurable in a measurable way. That would be something I'd be looking for. And then the other piece I'd be looking for is just in in the trainer themselves. I'd be looking for a, a fair amount of humility. What I've seen over a very long period of time is that we really like systems, right? So someone comes out with a system, and this is the sales system that's going to increase your, you know, your lead funnel by one point five million dollars for just a four thousand dollar investment, uh, or you know, take my LinkedIn system and it's going to it's going to increase your lead, like whatever it is. There's always a system. Right. And people get attached to the system and they forget that they're dealing with people. Right. right. And if the system doesn't serve the people, then it's not a good system. That goes back to my earlier point that people buy from people. That's why the sales yeah. rep has to be the brand and the product has to be the company. In teaching though, probably the biggest challenge I found running my company all those years was being able to take what I knew as a sales rep and teach it to others in a way, it took me years to be able to be good at that. Honestly, I had to emulate you in order to get better at it because you, you because because you don't you're, you're not quick to express a correction. You you really take it in, you observe for a while, and then you start to make you make uh, adjustments or suggestions. And they're really not suggestions; they're really they're really instructions. They're really direction, but you do it in a way that's not egomaniacal. You do it in a way that's not, and I didn't have the benefit of patience. You know, I was, I was not a patient person at that, especially at that part of my career. So I didn't have the patience to wait for someone to catch on. I needed them to perform right away. I was just too yeah. small. I was just too small. And like so many businesses, I couldn't afford a long learning curve. So they needed to either get it or not. Whereas you seem to have a lot more patience and have a, a deeper understanding how to connect with people when it comes to that. So I really have tried to emulate that. in the work. And that's a luxury that I've had. I mean, I'll be honest with you. My, my sweet spot has always been working one-on-one or one, in small groups. It's a lot easier to figure out where someone's head's at and to kind of unpack or unwind the crazy that's inside us all, <laughs> um, get it out in the open and then yeah. figure out what's true and what's useful and, and what just needs to go. And we've all got it. Right. Uh, myself included. Sure. Uh, just ask my wife. Like, yeah. uh, <laughs> but, but I think, you know, the, the other the other piece of this that I look at, like, you know, all right, so what, what would I want a trainer to know? Uh, or if I was if I was training my replacement, I would be very cautious of anybody that didn't see their role primarily as an equipper. Right. So if you go to any mountain town anywhere in America, there's going to be an outfitting shop, a store somewhere. Right. That you can go into and based on what you want to do and where you want to go, um, they're going to give you the gear that you need to get to that place and have the very best experience that you can. Right. And you want to find people that fit that role. I want, I want the, I want the guy that looks you up and down and goes, you know what? You look like you've got flat feet. These boots were here. will will really help on the long heights. And the, Mm -hmm. the, the leather is incredibly supple. Gotcha. Um, you know, 
you, you look like a fisherman. You know, do you realize that with this pole, you know, it only weighs 2.4? Like yeah. so, someone that has got the, that, that kind of mentality instead of, oh, you're in my store to buy some things. Well, here are the following three expensive brands that you must buy. <laughs> right. right. So so empathy and compassion and those are the those are some qualities. Any other qualities that you like to see? Oh, work ethic um, would be a yeah. thing. <laughs> Uh, yeah, empathy, compassion, uh, a self-understanding uh, that, that you yourself are there to serve. Mm-hmm. For me personally, I find it good to be detached from the from individual sales processes. It's easier for me if I work with a sales rep. Let's say I have someone who's struggling, right? Someone who's they're doing the, the activities, but they're not seeing the results. It's better for me to personally to coach them through the things they need to do. Uh, and to and to coach them through. Okay, so here are some questions you could ask. Here's some ways you could change up what you're already saying. Here's some activities that you may want to incorporate into you into the cadence of your day. You'll see some results if you do, right? But then not to get go down the rabbit hole of when they do find an opportunity to work, uh, to get lost in the minutiae of that deal. If I can take a step back from that and look at their development as a whole, they win or lose that deal. That's not going to prove one way or the other that they're good or they're bad. It's just a step on the journey. Does that make sense? And that's that's been personal wiring here. Other people, you know, mileage may vary according to personal on that one. (laughs) I know one of the unique perspectives you've had recently is that you're training your own son to be a sales rep in the company, correct? Yeah. A part of your career that's relatively new to you, it's got to be a paradigm shift for you is you're training your own son for this company to do the work that you started out doing 16 years ago. Yeah. And now you have the benefit of 16 years. If, if your relationship with your son is anything like my relationship with my son, in many ways, I know him better than he knows himself. And you probably have the same understanding of your son better than he does for himself for certain parts of his life. Yeah. How are you, are you a more effective or less effective sales trainer for your own child? I don't know. I think in some ways, because I do know him better, I'm able to directly address things that it's actually been very, very interesting. So I put on the dad hat uh, and, you know, dad's been saying some of the same things for 19 years. Right. At some point, kids tune out. I put on the boss hat and that's a different voice. So it's allowed us to have some conversations around things that I really felt were holding him back in key areas. You know, the way that he talks sometimes or, you know, certain choices of words that marked him as a really young kid. Right. Little things like that. So it's things he'd never hear from a, from a dad, but he'd hear from a boss. And right. God bless right. him. He's, you know, really trying to make the absolute most of this opportunity. So he's listening. So does he ever um, tell his dad that his boss is a jerk? Uh, he's brought some things to my attention. <laughs> and there's been some times where I picked up the phone and, and actually had to apologize and say, Alex, you caught me at the wrong time. I said that tongue in cheek and you responded to it as though I was serious. So clearly, yeah. I feel like I may have touched a bit of a nerve. So forgive me if that's the case. <laughs> Not at all. But I know that my in my experience in working with my son, that dad, son and boss, employee and sometimes, you know, client vendor has had a different role to it and not always been smooth. And uh, because I worked with my father when I was very young and it destroyed our relationship, I've always been extremely paranoid about that, um, that element. I was afraid to work with my son and proud to say that we work really well together now. 
but there were those times that we you know had a couple of hiccups and it was it was a little scary. And ultimately, I think it has yeah. to do with mutual respect. That I respect the man he's become, and um, and I see that his work ethic is really strong, and that he may yeah. you know he may still be young, uh, but intention to do good work is really is really evident. And it's a pleasure to work with him. And um, I hope for the same for you. Uh, hope, hope that you have oh, a experience. my gosh, hardest working kids I've met. Right. You know, he's, he's incredibly teachable. He's a sponge. Mm-hmm. Finding the hook for him, like I'm a firm believer that you have to have at some point some level of interest in what you're selling to right. sell it. Right. I could never sell golf equipment because golf is just not my game. But if you want me to sell football gear or baseball gear, like uh, I'll, I'll learn the heck out of that. Right. Because it fascinates me, right? right? So finding that hook for him, the thing that is going to get him deeper into that world and really, and there's a certain amount of animation that comes along with that, just, you know, animated voice, animated actions. That's been an interesting journey because the things that grab him don't grab me and vice versa. So I assume you're able to say things to your son that you may not be able to say to a stranger who's an employee, correct? Maybe. I was going to say, I've really, really tried to training relationship. Well, the, the, you know, the, the father-son relationship, work is work. Right. So I, I recently got a referral from somebody that I reached out to. It was somebody, a mutual friend or mutual business acquaintance, I should say, put me together with somebody that thought I might be a good source of referrals for that person when I see opportunities that aren't right for me. And the way she responded was so almost childlike. She was mis- deliberately misspelling words to be cute and the moment I read her email, the moment I realized I could never in a million years refer her. And but the but the the counselor in me wanted to call up and say, your first impression is so bad. Yeah. Why don't you let me help you with this? Because you've got to be missing a certain amount of opportunities trying to be cute. And maybe she's likable and cute. Maybe that's what works for her in terms of getting people. And I'm just not the right match for her. But I gotta think that somebody needs to put their Uncle, you know, I want to put my Uncle Joel hat on and say, let me tell you what perhaps somebody else hasn't told you. That yeah. that's that's not a good presentation for a business professional. It, it may be fine for your friends, but it's not a good business presentation. And and of course, I'm not going to do that because I don't know her at all. Um, but I would if I had the opportunity. And so I assume that you got to be Uncle Ben, not the rice guy, but the um you know, just a just a mentor to people in that, on that level at some times. I'm blessed in that I've, I've I've had that opportunity. I think awkward conversations are awkward, hard conversations are hard, and they're hard for a reason. Uh, and yet, almost every single time someone's been kind enough to come in, in a spirit of humility and of affection for me, right, and say, "Look, I like you, and you're hurting yourself," or I, you know. I I can see this in you and I know this isn't you, but you're doing these things. Like when they've done those things, if I've been, uh, you know, been able to hear them and take it on, it's always benefited like hundred percent of the time. And I think, you know, you go back to what would I look for in a training? I'd be looking for someone who's affectionate for people, not in an inappropriate way, not in a romantic way, but they they just want the best. Right. You know, they they care about the people around them and they're, they're affectionate for their success. They're affectionate for, the development they they really really care uh, and you know empathy and compassion would come into that as well of course so you're looking for the same quality in a sales rep as you would for a sales trainer at some level you've got to have that but a, a sales rep has got to be more of a reptile brain they still got to go they still have to be hungry they still have to be looking for opportunities they can't be passive about opportunities they have to seize an opportunity when they get one 
And then when they get yep. one, they have to do the very best work they can to serve the client's needs. Is yeah, that absolutely. And they've got to be goldfish. Meaning? Well, you fail, you you know, rub the dirt off and get up and do it again like it never happened. That's a goldfish? Well, it's it, the closest thing I can think, right? So goldfish <laughs> supposedly have got a 12-second memory. Okay. Um, <laughs> so when it comes to failure, you know, you just forget it. You know, you, you, you messed up that last sales call. Yeah. Okay, live right. and learn. There'll be right. time to unpack right. it later. Right. Make the next- That's where the ego thing comes in because you have to know that number one, you're going to make mistakes. And number two, a mistake is, I'm trying not to be use cliches, but I'm going to have to. The mistake might be the most valuable lesson you'll ever learn. So embrace embrace it. Don't try to make mistakes, but if you do, let's not lose let's not lose the opportunity because you're feeling sorry for yourself when you make the mistake. Yeah. With a, with a sales rep, I'd be looking for less compassion. I'd still be looking for compassion and empathy. I'd be looking more though for curiosity. Yes. I, what is it that get, you know, what is it that drives you to go out and find a customer? What is it that drives you to sit silent in front of somebody and just listen to them talk? You know, what is it that drives you to you continue to, you know, keep the conversation going, keep asking questions till you find the opportunity that was always there, but the customer didn't want to give up or didn't know that they had to give to you. Like it's that those people, some of those people are not particularly nice. They don't have to be. If they're curious, they're going to go a long way. I agree. I was thinking about something we talked about earlier. We talked about, you know, older sales techniques. You know, we we talked briefly about, do you like quality? You know, that was your, that was your example. Mine was, do you like clean carpets? (laughs) Right. And, uh, And, and I was. I can see you're a man of taste. <laughs> <laughs> it occurs to me that the era that we're living in now, not quite post-pandemic era of sales, there's got to be changes in techniques that have to be implemented in order for sales to be more effective. And here's what I mean by that. There's an old saying that you know every disruption is an opportunity, correct? And so some yeah. people, some people will get rich because of the disruption of COVID and some people will go broke because of the disruption of COVID. And the ones that are likely to go broke are the ones that are not adapting or have not adapted or mm-hmm. or the, the market has completely shifted because of the pandemic to keep whatever they sell is sold is no longer relevant. But in the world of most businesses, though, there's opportunities to be seized from this. And I know that, but how we communicate with clients is definitely changing. My ability to know about lighting has you know quadrupled since COVID because I'm on a Zoom call, you know, yeah. I'm on six or seven of them a day, and I want to make sure that my you know bald forehead isn't too shiny, right? And so I worry about You're having them. to manage things you never thought you'd have to manage before. Right. And so, do you also have to manage the technique in which you speak, the questions you ask? The you have to be uh, conscious of the fact that people's eyes are tired of looking at screens all day, or we miss human interactivity. That I notice that it's, I notice speaking for myself when I'm face to face with people, it's a little harder for me to look them in the eye than I used to because even right now, you and I are doing our best to make eye contact, but you're looking. I can see your eyes looking down, and mine probably look down as well because the camera is about three inches above your eye line. And so when someone makes direct eye contact with me, I have to consciously get over that. If there's a little bit of discomfort that I've noticed recently that I never had ever before. Yeah, and yeah. so I'm curious what you're teaching your team and how you're adapting. Well, see, I don't know that technique is, technique's one piece of it. And I think there are certain activities and certain styles of prospecting 
um, that just aren't as effective as they used to be. I think the way that we use uh, messaging services versus email has changed radically. The, the way that social media is being utilised has changed pretty pretty rapidly uh, in the last couple of years. Those those are techniques, and I think there's things that, depending on the industry, depending on your customer base, uh, all of those things, that's going to vary. Um, I think style, to me, has been the big one. Mm-hmm. So it used to be that you wanted, like, I'm a sales professional, right? I, I need to project a professional, uh, uh, you know, kind of persona. So I'm going to use certain words and I'm going to structure my sentences in certain ways uh, and, and not to, you know, like the, the, the client you were talking about where, you know, they're putting, maybe they're putting emojis and using you know, other things that maybe turn it into a, a tweet or something that should have been on Instagram. I'm not, I don't mean that, but making communication more casual uh, and more familiar, mm-hmm. uh, I think is something that the the pandemic really um, highlighted for a lot of people was how much they missed human interaction and they didn't want to sit with a sales professional. They wanted to sit with someone who, you know, was likable uh, and curious about them. Right. right. Whether that's on video or in real life uh, and the way you, you the way that you, you lay the foundation for that kind of relationship to take place is you act like it should have always been there. So instead of saying, hello, David, you, you know, for example, in an email, you might say, hey, David. Right. Right. Just little tweaks to make the language a little bit more casual and familiar mm-hmm. um, goes a long way in building a bridge that something actually substantial can, or substantive can come out of. Yeah. Uh, but I think that would be the one of the biggest things I've seen change, you know, moving from I have to be a professional and that's what my customers expect of me to, man, I'm just here to make a friend. Right. I mean, obviously I'm here to sell something, all of those things. But at the end of the day, the, the, the relationship this comes out of is, is a real one, uh, not a strictly business one where I'm a sales sure. consultant and you're buying off on my professionalism rather than the content of the, of the business relationship. Does that make any sense? Well, sure. I mean, listen, it's been, that's been my whole MO for my whole career is that I have a, you know, it seems to me that my best clients are also have some level of personal relationship with beyond Mm -hmm. the widget that I, you know, provide. It seems to me that that's just how it's worked out for me. It's definitely my comfort zone. I want to know who's, you know, who's got what kids and, you know, what kind of dogs they like and sports teams, even though they might yeah. you know, be flawed and choose, you know, <laughs> the wicked, <laughs> the wicked Padres. But, <laughs> but I want to know those things because that's, that helps me under, you know, be a holistic participant in their career, their success. That I always looked at, I always looked at my role as if I make my clients successful, then I'm going to be successful just as a result of being associated with them. I'll be a resource for them that made them successful and that'll have a lot of legs and longevity to it and so on. So that, that was always how I did it. So when you, when you say that, it's like, sure, of course, but I was also the owner of the company. It was easier to get that relationship with a prospect or a customer as the owner than it is as uh, an employee who the customer might look at as being on some level transient. I mean, even though they could be a long-term employee, the chances are they're going to leave before the owner does. So it's, it's, yeah. it's a bigger challenge in that respect. And this has been a fascinating conversation. We've been talking uh, for about an hour, so I'm going to close it off, but only on the proviso that you'll come back again and we'll continue this at some point in the future. I'd love to. Look, it's a, always a, a pleasure chatting with you, Joel, and, and this stuff, it lights me up. Thinking through, and then I'm a verbal processor in case anyone listening hasn't figured that out, uh, you know, thinking through that brings out greatness in someone is really at the heart of what we've talked about. Yes, correct. Yeah.
specifically sales, but what brings out greatness in a sales rep? You know, what are the ingredients? What do they need to do? Gosh, I spend every day trying to figure that out. And you're a real pro. You're, you know, you're someone I've learned a tremendous amount from. Um, you've given me a lot of ideas and perspective, and you've taught me how to look at things a little bit differently over the years, and that only could help anybody who talks to you. And so I really, truly appreciate you being on Small Biz Cast. I'm sure that the listeners will have garnered quite a bit from this, and I hope to continue it forward. Anytime you want me back, I'm ready to rock and roll. Thank you so much, Joel. Thank you. I'd like to thank Ben Skeet of Image Source USA for spending his time with us today. Like so many people, I just learned so much from Ben. Uh, the fact that he and I have established a really strong rapport and we've learned from each other really makes me feel honored because he truly is a real pro and he does uh, sales training the way that it should be done, teaching people how to care and how to solve problems. I wanna thank the listeners, without you, we are nothing. Uh, your support, your ideas, the fact that you give us high ratings, the fact that you share our episodes really builds our audience and means a lot. So please keep doing that. If you have ideas for guests, please go to the website and drop us a note. Thanks again to our sponsors, Miller Haga Law and Jorgensen HR. Small BizCast drops twice a month. Stay connected on our socials at Small BizCast or join our online community by liking the Hot Dog Business Growth Facebook page. All of our resources to help businesses grow to their full potential can be found on www.hotdogbizgrowth.com. That's hotdogbizgrowth.com. Small business, it's a wonderful life. Hot dog.